Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so it's it's a bit of back and forth, so you're gonna have to be involved with this, okay, okay, Jason. Cool. Okay, right. So um what would you prefer to see? A baby elephant or a matter baby? What's a what's the matter, baby? Nothing, sugar. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on So I Start Revolution from My Bed, a podcast about fun things, about mindfulness, about finding your calm. And this podcast is in support of the Calm Zone. So don't forget, if you need help, reach out to them. And I'll give you all the information in a moment. But today, we're joined by a Calm Zone ambassador, which is Susie Ruffle, a brilliant comedian. And she's also got some amazing podcasts out at the moment as well. So she's got like-minded friends with her friend Tom Allen, which I really do recommend you check out because it's one of those perfect fly-on-the-wall conversations that you want to be part of because they are good friends and you can tell when it is funny. But she's also got a new one, which is out with Susie Ruffle, which is about LGBTQ+, the communities, the inspirational voices, why we need to have the conversations we do within that. And it's a subject that I'm going to cover for Pod Bible magazine, so keep an eye out for that as well. And as I mentioned, we do do this in support of the Calm Zone, which is what Susie's an ambassador for. So if you need to reach out, please do. Go to thecalmzone.net. They've got a web chat. And you can also donate. So if you can, if you can spare anything, if you listen to this and you like it, please do spare a little bit of change for them because, yeah, we do need that. And if you need the helpline, 0800 585858. Don't be afraid to reach out. On that note, let's have a lovely conversation with Susie Ruffle. Is the podcast out yet? My new one? Yeah. Yes, it is. It's called Out with Susie Ruffle, and it's just... Oh, okay. Yeah, if you fancy having a look. So it's basically me interviewing, inspiring people from the LGBT plus community, but the first one, I got a bit... I got really lucky that the first one is with Dustin Lance Black, who won... Oh, who wrote and won an Oscar for the film Milk. Yes, yeah. So, kind of. oh my God, he was just so inspiring, and let me go to his house and just chat to him about life which was a real treat and we got to record it and it's been yeah it's been received really well people seem to be it's been picked up in a couple of the um broadsheets already and people seem to be liking it so it's still very new it's still very much a baby but it's um but it's doing all right and that that kind of fits in with the column that i do for 
uh, oh, Pod really? Bible as well. Because yeah. I do the, the Good Samaritan column, which is podcast for social conscience. So something oh, that's great. trying to just progress something else you know, a little bit. Because this is what I, I use podcasting for is to try and have some sort of message in there so this is why this one's mental health in in a so mm -hmm. or in support of calm and then the other one i do is is stop and searches about drug laws um so because of that uh Stu and um, pip said you know let's do something where we're progressing social causes so i think yours perfectly fits under that banner oh great well yeah let me uh let me know if you want to chat about it or if you yeah or if you enjoy it let me um i'll send it over to you and hopefully you'll like it Right, so I'm joined by Susie Ruffle, who is a calm ambassador, above all things. So, yeah. first of all, <laughs> what's that like? Well, it's kind of a new thing for me, to be honest. So I did, um, so I'm a comedian, mainly, and uh, there's there was a show on Dave called Comedians Against Living Miserably, which was supporting the charity Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. And um, I, they asked me to do the show, and it was a privilege to be involved in uh, it was myself and Nish Kumar and Darren Harrier and Sean Walsh. And we all did stand up that was, I mean, so, so, some more or less so than others, but my set particularly was about mental health, about being someone that has some anxiety. And um, and so I talked about that. And afterwards, the uh, CEO got in touch with me and, and said, I feel like you're really sort of, um, you're coming to, to mental health in a similar way uh, as we are and would you like to would you like to be an ambassador which I mean it is basically just me currently I've not done a lot of stuff it's just me going I really really support this charity and as soon as lockdown lifts we're going to put on another comedy night and we're going to try and raise some funds but yeah it's just sort of being someone that's very publicly willing to talk about mental health and not and sort of try and get rid of that stigma around it and uh, try and sort of put something, I don't know, I, I guess with being a stand-up, I always try and put something positive out in the world. That's sort of my brand of comedy, I guess, is that I'm I'm very, I'm, I'm a storyteller and I don't shy away from the more difficult subjects, but I do try and leave my audience uh, in a better mood than when they arrived. That's perfect. And okay. so I guess, yeah, and so I guess hopefully I work well uh, to be someone that's involved with Calm. And I'm very yeah. proud that they asked me to be involved because I think they're brilliant and um, that they uh, they that they do really, really good work. And just the fact that you are an ambassador, because you're, you're quite self-deprecating there, but the fact that you have put yourself to this, coming from someone from the ad advocacy field myself, it means a lot. So what you're doing is going to have more impact than potentially you even realise. I don't know if you... Well, I, I mean, I, that's a really lovely, kind thing of you to say. I, I mean, I hope so. I just hope that, um, I think sometimes with being a stand-up, people sort of assume, like, you know, you've got all the confidence in the world to be able to get up on stage. And then an element of it is you do have to have confidence. And then I think some of it's confidence, some of it's madness, but a desire to get up and consistently tell people uh, how you feel. Um, but I think it's... Um, I think I'm very lucky that I've got a job where I can talk about my feelings and I don't need to shy away fr from that. And so, yeah, so it's so I'm sort of lucky that I get to share that, I guess. And how, how have you found it during lockdown? Is it, is it had an impact on your mental health? I mean, it's, um, I guess it has. Yeah, I mean, I'll, to be honest, the first few weeks I was sort of like, 
oh, this is fine. I like, I was disappointed that my tour had been sort of paused and lots of dates been cancelled. But I mean, that's a very minor thing when you think about what other people are going through. You know, that's just sort of a shame rather than a great tragedy. But I was sort of fine with it. Um, I, I had my partner and I had to cancel our wedding, which was a was, was a, which was just dis- very disappointing. But again, you know, lots of people are going through much much worse stuff. But it's but in the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of days that were poor, just just that sort of not. I don't think it was necessarily a, a sort of depression, but I felt a bit hopeless, yeah. just a bit like, ah, oh, I don't know when this is going to stop and I can't really imagine it and I feel a bit gutted by it all. That makes sense. The open-endedness can often be, because this is why I've conceived this podcast, is uh, because I come from the uh, disability sector. A lot mm-hmm. of times people that are housebound do have that, that open-endedness of not sure when things are going to improve and that can be quite taxing. And I think you've really put that across well. Is that, And also, I, again, you've been self-deprecating that yeah, you had to cancel your wedding, but that was huge. I know what it's like to have to kind of get all the catering sorted. So that in itself yeah, must be it horrible. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really gutting. It was really. It was really gutting. But it was. Um, but you know, we're very lucky that we've. You know, we've got a nice flat that we live in, and we've got each other. And I think a lot of people. I think it must be really hard being in lockdown on your own. Yeah. Mm. I think that would be much tougher. Have you but, managed to get out for walks and things like that? Yeah, yeah. I've managed, I'm, I've managed to get out for walks and I'm really lucky to have a balcony. We don't, we, we just live in a flat, but we do have a balcony. So that's really nice. And doing a bit of exercise outside, which which really helps my mental health. Mental health. Um, I, 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 I'm a huge advocate of, of if you can, if you have got the ability to, to get out there and stretch your legs. Because as you said, it, it just makes so much of a difference just to change your scenery for, the, for that small amount of time. Mm. How, how's it been for you um it's been interesting because um because the circumstances haven't changed hugely for me because of the health situation I've, i have noticed and this is why this podcast popped up that a lot of people were struggling mm-hmm. and i was just like if i can humbly try and help and sign posts and posts and things then then great but you know even if it's just you know filling a little bit of a, a gap with certain people with a little bit of comedy with people like yourself then you know that's also great so mm. for me it's not changed that much my partner who's behind me working away at the moment is <laughs> she struggled a little bit because of you know it's not easy working from home doing certain jobs mm. um, and I have noticed a lot of people out there on Twitter that daily there are people that are reaching out and struggling which is why people like calm and what they do is just so so necessary at the moment yeah I think so I think it's just, and I also think it's really good to be able to say you know, I I am struggling or, you know, not even struggling. It doesn't need to be as big as that. But to say like, oh, you know, I, I'm not feeling great. And today has been hard. And I don't really know why, but it just has. And I think that's, I think that's really good to, to, to just sort of acknowledge it and acknowledge those feelings that you're having. And I think actually that often helps you... Uh, sort of, you know, sometimes saying things aloud or, or people deal with it in different ways, writing things down maybe can really help with you processing it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes a tactical retreat is definitely needed of like, do you know what? 
I haven't got it today. You know, let's just have a have a quiet one. And then mm -hmm. there's, there's other days that you can. You know, we're, we're all a chemical beings, so that it's all going to fluctuate on each given day. And especially at the moment with what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just I'm just quite grateful that this is happening in springtime because I can't imagine what it'd be like if this was proper uh, winter because that would be a whole other level of, of anxiety for me personally because you know just getting the daylight is going to be quite tricky if if we do get a second wave of corona and it's in in, in yeah i'm really scared about that yeah yeah <laughs> on that cheerful note i'm going to <laughs> quick quickly get in with the first question of uh, how how important is is relaxation to you because i know a lot of people that do squander it a little bit but do you take it seriously um, i try to yeah i am um, i to be completely honest, it's something that I've only learned how to do quite recently. So I'm 34 now. I worry that I have to think about that. I'm 34 <laughs> now and I, for a long time, I never relaxed. I never really relaxed. I was always like 100 miles an hour. And that's sort of what my family's like, what my dad's like. Everything's constantly going on. And it was probably, you know, when I started doing stand-up as a job, so that's probably coming up for about sort of nine or ten years ago, uh, I realised I, because you burn a lot of energy on stage, I sort of had to work out how to not be burning it all day and to be able to sort of take time for myself. So to begin with, I got into yoga, which isn't actually something I really do anymore, although I, I really like it. I just, I moved, so I, I stopped going to the yoga place that I went to. So now I meditate and that's something that, I mean, some days I find it really easy to meditate. I'll sort of go into another world and it'll feel great. And then other days I'm just constantly thinking for the 20 minutes and I don't really get much sort of meditation in, but just doing it, sitting down and having that time to myself, I found really helps me sort of recalibrate and sort of have some downtime. That makes a lot of sense, especially what you said, where you burn a lot of energy on stage and it doesn't always shut off. That's something that I'm particularly fascinated in with adrenal function and how that does affect us throughout our everyday lives. And as, as a performer, I'd imagine you're more conscious of that than, you know, the layman, as it were. Well, yeah, I mean, and I read the article about you in um, in the Metro because you, you sleep quite funny hours, don't you? <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> yeah, and so it's sort of similar for me because um, obviously not when we're in lockdown, talking about sort of in, in normal times, I... Um, when you, when you finish a gig, that might be maybe half ten. And then often I'll have to travel back from wherever the gig is or I'm staying over somewhere that's not home. So that always feels... You never sleep... I never sleep quite as well when I'm not in, at, my, at my house, at my flat. So um, you sort of travel home and then you've got that sort of adrenaline that's still in your system. And then also if I'm driving or if I'm in the car with someone, we're chatting. And then by the time you get home, it might be one o'clock. But then you're not quite ready for sleep yet so then I sort of go through this process of having a shower trying to feel a bit sleepy maybe putting on the telly maybe reading a book um so learning how to relax in the daytime sort of became even more important uh when my sleep pattern was disrupted so that I've sort of got that downtime even if it's not when I'm sleeping yeah that makes sense that does make a lot of sense and it's that kind of leads me into the next question of, so you mentioned the fact that you do try and wind down with something. Mm -hmm. um, what what may be a comfort film that you stick on and, and just you don't necessarily have to think about, but it's there as another little bit of a friend? Um, I mean, I guess it would be, I find it very comforting watching films that I watched as a child. 
So the other day we watched The Aristocats, which I haven't seen since I was about 10, which I found very comforting. And I've actually found that during lockdown, I'm not... Normally I'm quite into sort of stuff like Killing Eve or the Gangs of London show that I watched some of. That was really good, but I found that whilst I'm in lockdown, I almost can't take anything that's too stressful. Yeah. So I've been watching really easy. So I watched When Harry Met Sally the other night. Um, I watched E.T. the other night. It's one of my favourite films. So, yeah, I've noticed that I'm sort of changing what I watch because of the situation we're in. That's that's a really good example of what I say as well, is that a lot of times I revert to nostalgia and comfort mm. in the sense of going on YouTube and then finding something just obscure, not even just <laughs> certain bits of adverts from my childhood and things like that. So... I love the fact that you've gone for aristocrats because I saw that on the cinema. That, that yeah, was... that's forever ago. And so would you say that you, you do err towards the more, I don't want to say childish because that, that almost sounds wrong, but something a bit more childlike? Yeah, I guess. And I think you're right. I think, I think nostalgia is, I mean, we all love a bit of nostalgia, don't we? There's something so familiar about it that it seems, um, yeah, really, really, really nice. So, yeah, I'd say I do. I have... And just sort of softer television. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of box sets would you go for? Because that's going to to be the next question. So box sets, I mean, I just watched a series on Netflix actually called Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, it's by Ryan Murphy who made Glee and American Horror Story and um, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. But Hollywood is, um, it's very sort of glitz and glamour um, and sort of this, sort of what was going on in sort of a bygone era of Hollywood. And I thoroughly enjoyed that because it took me so far away from what life's like at the moment. Although I am watching programmes and thinking, God, they're getting really close to each other and forgetting <laughs> that social distancing isn't a thing in television land. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um Yes, probably that's probably my favourite. I, I mean, is that okay for a box set? Because it's new and it's on Netflix. Yeah, but... totally. I, I love the fact that you've gone for something new because a lot of times I just associate uh, comfort box sets with something uh, that is, again, nostalgic for me. It's, yeah. It's the Detectorist, it's Mighty Boosh and things like that. So to get something new as a recommendation is perfect. Yeah, I also like watching stand-up. No, and I, I like, I'm, like, I'm enjoying it more now at the moment because I'm not doing it as much. So when I'm doing it, you know, when I'm gigging, I'm often on, on doing shows sort of about five nights a week. So it's quite full on. So when I'm gigging, then I, I, I don't actually watch that much stand up. But I've been really enjoying watching stand up in lockdown. So I've Wanda Sykes. So I don't know if you've heard of if you haven't, you're in for an absolute treat tonight. because She's got two Netflix specials and they're both brilliant. And she's uh, an American comic that I just think is superb. Um, and so I've watched I've watched both of those since we've been in lockdown, and I've found those even though I sort of know the gags that are coming, with really good stand up. If you don't mind seeing it a few times, so that's been quite comforting as well. There you go. I'm going to kind of swap up my questions a bit now because <laughs> I, I sent them to you in in some sort of list and order. But where why we're on comedy because yeah, I love I do. love the fact Shake that you're a comedian up. and recommending things because it must be difficult for a comedian to take themselves out of the equation of the science of it and just watch a comedian and laugh. Do you, do you find that you analyse it a bit? Yeah, I think I do. I try not to. 
I think what is very hard is when you watch someone that does something that's similar to what you do. Right. So I do like anecdotal storytelling jokes, sort of um, with act outs and occasional silly voices and um, occasionally being really over the top and doing big performancey bits. So when I watch someone that does a similar thing like me, um, you sort of go, oh, yeah, I can see where you're going with that. And you sort of you can sort of appreciate the rhythm because there's certain rhythm to bits of material. But then so it's much easier to watch someone like, say, Gary Delaney, who does jokes because I don't do jokes. Often when you do stand up, you get asked in interviews and things. People say, what's your best joke? And I always think I'm a massive letdown because I go, I don't do jokes, sorry. It's not really jokes. It's sort of amusing anecdotes with a story bit and then occasionally my mum's voice, (laughs) Um, which in in an article doesn't read as well. Um, But yeah, I think that it can be quite hard to turn off that sort of comedy brain that's sort of working out where you go. But you, you can sort of learn to turn it off and end up sort of really enjoying other people's comedy because it's because I really love it I really love doing this for a job I really love um that I get to do it and it feels like a privilege that that stand-up is my job and um so I'm very I'm very uh, I'm uh what not force myself that's not how I want to say it so I I really make sure that I still enjoy it because I really do love it who are some of the comedians that might have inspired you to get to this point well, Alan Carr in a massive way. So I, I read Alan's autobiography before I started stand-up and um, I watched Tooth Fairy, which was his first DVD, which is excellent, really yeah, excellent. Yeah. And it's sort of, I think it's maybe two or three Edinburgh shows, sort of his favourite bits packaged into a DVD. And it's also material that he'd been doing in the clubs around the country for years. And um, I remember watching it and thinking... And watching it with mates as long before comedy and just thinking this is so funny just being doubled over laughing and I would say that he was someone that sort of really inspired me to give it a go he was so unapologetically himself on stage and it, his comedy seemed so natural and he seemed so normal that he made comedy feel like it was a possibility for me and then uh, maybe a year later I had to go at stand-up and got quite into it and then a couple of years after that I signed with Alan's agent and then about four years after that I supported him out around the country on tour wow. so it was a really nice and then it ended up with me getting quite drunk one night and um, having a bit of a cry and telling him how much he inspired me which uh, was very uh, embarrassing but fine <laughs> I think he kind of enjoyed it but I was embarrassed afterwards just being like Alan you're amazing I love that? you so nice and thanks for having me on tour <laughs> but um but as you can imagine he is a bloody lovely chap so, hope, yeah, he's um, one, one of those ones i hope privileged. he is oh he is just he is exactly as you find him it, it, he's it's so lovely because i when i was supporting him i sort of brought my mum and dad to come and uh, and um and see the show when we were going around the place when he was warming up his new show and they went to Winchester, he went to Winchester, which is not too far from where mum and dad live. So I said, oh, come, come to the show, come to the show. And so we went to the show, they came to the show and I opened for him and had quite a nice gig. And then he was obviously brilliant. And then afterwards he said, oh, like bring your mum and dad up to the dressing room. And so they went upstairs and I mean, embarrassingly, my dad told a joke. I mean, come on, mate. <laughs> um, but it was, um, but yeah, he is exactly as you would, as you would hope 
he'd be. He's just that lovely guy on Chatty Man that's really easy to chat to and very, very funny. There you go. That covers one of my next questions because you mentioned that you don't necessarily do jokes, more anecdotes and, and mm. voices, as you say. But one of the questions I've got is, can you tell your silliest joke? If not, can you tell your dad's silliest joke to Alan Carr? Oh, right. Um, I don't know what the joke was that... Um, that Alan, that my dad told Alan, but I do have a favourite joke, but it's not my joke. I don't know whose joke it is. So whoever joke it is, I give you all the credit. Okay, so it's it's a bit of back and forth. So you're going to have to be involved with this, okay, you, Jason. Cool. Okay, right. So um, what would you prefer to see? A baby elephant or a matter baby? What, what's, a, what's a matter baby? Nothing, sugar. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Very good. Now that made me laugh. When I did that to my girlfriend, it made me laugh so hard I cried. And she said to me, I can't understand why you're a comic. Uh, but that's that's the best joke of somebody else's that I have. I don't know where it came from. I'm sorry. That is amazing. I'm going to try that out <laughs> later. Definitely. Um, how, how does your partner find it with, when you are going into comedy mode? Have you got a relationship where you make each other laugh? Yeah, we do. And she's very good, actually. I'll, I, I won't sort of try and do a bit of material to her. I'll just say... Do you think there's something in this idea? Like, I'll sort of, rather than trying out bits on her, I'll sort of say to her, I'm trying to write something funny about that. Do you think that's a funny idea? And she'll be very, she'll be very honest and um, and really helpful, actually. She's got quite a good, although she has absolutely nothing to do with comedy, she's got quite a good sort of ear for a gag. So she's, um, or ear for a bit. So she's very helpful, actually. But I try not to be too on as a comic at home because I think it would get very boring for her <laughs> I, can, I, I can imagine because my other half is sitting behind me as i said i by no means am i a comedian not remotely but you know it's like when you get into those relationships where one of you just plays the fool yeah it tends yeah. to be me and, <laughs> and i'm fairly sure it's like that line from the elbow song um laugh politely it repeats she's heard everything <laughs> so it's now it's now just a case of being tolerant and polite to each other <laughs> But as, as a comedian, obviously you're out there on stage a lot. Well, obviously not at the moment, but uh, you said sometimes, you know, five, six times a week. So if you were yourself and you might not go to a live event, what mm -hmm. kind of live event would you look forward to? Would it be comedy or would it be something else like, I don't know, I'd, sports I'd, or something? I'd still love to go. I, to be honest, I like anything live. I really love, so like I would definitely go to comedy. I'd, I'd always go and see my mate's shows. And if there's a comic that I really love from the States that comes over, I'll always go and uh, watch that as well. I love going and see live music. I really, I went to see Christine and the Queens in Victoria Park last year and that was really brilliant. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not massively into sports. However, I seem to be, I've, I've watched a bit of it and I've watched, I've watched the Michael Jordan documentary, which oh, is yeah. amazing on Netflix. And I think I might be getting into basketball, but... I don't know for sure, but I but I, but I would love to go and see something like that, and I and I think that's something that I am sort of missing. That sort of, and it's something that I don't know when we'll be able to do it again. But sort of being in a big group, is is there something lovely about it? You mentioned that just seeing things on TV with people not social distancing, it can yeah. be quite it can be quite shocking, and it's yeah, gonna be strange, like, isn't it? Guys, gonna go going go back careful. to that. How how are we going to integrate back into being in groups again? I don't know. I think that it's, I can't, I, I, I don't know. I think that it might, I think it might be sort of 
not forever changed, but I think it might be changed for a bit. And I don't know what it would be like when, you know, say when we're back in comedy clubs, whether people will feel a bit scared and what we'll have to do to make sure that A, people are safe and B, that people feel safe. What do you think that first gig back is going to be like? Do you think there's going to be like a group hug? But Well, I don't know. I would love, I, I, I can't wait for it really, but hopefully just really fun. Just, you know, after all this time in isolation to be in there, because just, I think it was about two weeks before lockdown happened. I went to a Mark Watson taping and it it was one of those really jam packed Mm -hmm. rooms. And I think back now, and there's almost like post anxiety (laughs) of the fact that we was all that tight together. So I can imagine for your, for your job, it's going to be a strange transition. Yeah, I think so. And I don't really know how to do it, but but we'll work it out. Cool. Yeah, and, I'm, and that's the thing about comedy is that one way or another, I'm sure you will work it out with style. It will have to come back. It will have to happen. People love it. We're just going to maybe have to find a slightly new way of doing things for a while, um, hopefully. <laughs> have, you, have you managed to do much in the way of online work and things like that? Um, I've done a few sort of bits and bobs but it's um i think it's quite hard to get right um so i've done a couple where it's been where my that my friends have hosted that have been made that and and they've made it super easy um but i haven't done lots of it to be honest Mm. and i think it might be because i'm being a bit of a coward about it and i don't really know what sort of material to do but um but yeah, I think I'll probably do a bit more. I'm doing one tomorrow night actually for um, for Copperfield, who are a, a breast cancer charity. Oh wow! And so we're doing one tomorrow night. So I'll hopefully work out. Well, you know, work, I'll work out what to do a few hours before, and and people seem to be enjoying the online stuff. It is a very different experience because you don't necessarily hear the laughter, so you sort of have to make your stand up more anecdotal yeah. than. Here's a punchline. And and also those physical cues, because this is something I've always said with, with my illness, is that I hate the phone. Um, and it's it's easier for me to make the trip to London and what it is not having the, verbal, uh, the physical cues. And I'd imagine that's amped up to 11 in comedy. You probably need that ping back. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's hard. If it's, Let's kind of lighten this up again. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If, if you used to have a bucket list destination so all travel restrictions are off you know we're back to normal yeah where's the first place that you'd go and it could, it doesn't even have to be this world it can be in the universe because i think tin and picked something that was uh, out of space i think well i would i mean so alice and i had to postpone our wedding and we were meant to be going to hawaii for our honeymoon san francisco and then on to hawaii oh, wow. and so i think that if i could when we can we will uh, but do you know what quicker than that I've got a couple of friends whose houses I can't wait to have a cup of tea in and I'm looking forward to going to see my mum and my oh. dad. Have you managed to see much of them over, over this period? Not at all. We've just sort of, I mean, we, mum's managed to get on Zoom, but my God, it was a trial. <laughs> um, and now mum and dad are on Zoom. So I'm sort of chatting to them a bit on that. Um, but because I'm in London and they're in Portsmouth, I mean, it, it just, I, I just, it just doesn't feel right to... Even even if I sort of stood at the end of the garden, it still just doesn't feel right at the moment. Hopefully, as lockdown sort of begins to lift, I might be able to go and sit in their garden for an hour and I'd happily do the drive to see them for a bit. 
Um, but yeah, currently not at all. But, you know, luckily they've got each other. So they're sort of together and we're together. So it's all right. Um, we're, all, we're all all right, but we do miss each other. So, so what's it like coming, because he's going to lead me into the next question, but what's it like being in London, having come from Portsmouth? Because presumably you was quite seasidey, am I right? Yeah, yeah. So I live, nowadays I live um, sort of on the Kent boroughs, on the Kent borders rather, not boroughs. I live on the Kent borders, so I'm quite far out in the southeast, which I really, really like. Um, but prior to that, I was sort of living in Hackney and lived in Hoxton. Um, but I loved it. I really love London. And um, I love the seaside as well. I've always loved um being i love being from portsmouth and i love the seaside whenever i go home i can't wait to see the sea but um it's just different isn't it it's just different but i am looking forward to going back there and there is something lovely about standing on the seafront and breathing in that sea air and that's actually something i would love to do in, in quarantine my family and friends that are still in portsmouth that are sort of taking their dogs for a walk along the beach that is a really lovely thing to do i think and that's where I'm from as well. I'm I'm down in Kent, and we're, oh yeah, we're lucky because we've got country, we've got seaside, and I do I do feel sorry for the people that, prime example, we've just been speaking about him, but Tin and do yeah, be stuck in a one bedroom flat in London with no garden, and I it's I I yeah I don't envy people that are going through that situation when we've got access to the things that we've got. Yeah, I mean it's really tough. I think I think it's really really hard, and you know I haven't got a garden, but I do have a balcony that I that is just full of plants and flowers, that it's it's you know i feel very very lucky to have it and i think it's a lot harder you mentioned the fact that you that that you go into uh meditation um yeah so if you if if you were to kind of guide yourself for a walk in your mind what would that look like would it be country would it be seaside or would it be well i think because i've got so much country now i think it would probably be seaside because because i get to you know because of living on you know, it really southeast. There's lots of beautiful parks near me that you can get lost in for an hour, and it's you know a lovely way to spend your time. So, so yeah, I, there... I think that I'd probably go in my mind to some beautiful beach where I could put my feet in the water. Would would the beach be conceptual? Or would it be something that's based on uh, somewhere that you know? Oh no, it would be. It would be real. And I think it would be Portsmouth, which isn't the best beach because it's loads of stones and it's not that nice. It's nice enough, but on a nice day on the pier. And it also, you know, I'm in the knowledge that I'm home. Yeah. So that's nice. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What, what places in this country have you, have you been surprised that you've gone, oh, actually, this is nice? Oh, I mean, there's, there's loads of places that I've... I mean, not that I was surprised, but obviously like Devon and Cornwall are beautiful. Um... And going up to that, I mean, and again, I wasn't surprised, but I love Wales. Yeah. I've been so lucky to sort of gig all over Wales, North Wales, um, you know, and then the valleys all over the place. And there's also an amazing comedy festival here called Macfest that is just wonderful. Um, and that's in Machunleth. And um, yeah, I, lo- I really love Wales. It's actually somewhere where I think, oh, if I stopped doing comedy or if I had a break for a while, would I... Would I move to Wales for a bit? Because it's so lovely. I've heard that. I've not managed to go myself because of health reasons. But my mm. behalf, um, is it Residi Bay that you like? Yeah, yeah Residi Bay. Have you ever ever been there? No, I've never been there, but I'll pop it on the list. Yeah, apparently it's just soak out of a postcard. It's amazing. Okay, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's really, really lovely Wales. I love it. Right, and we've kind of touched upon this. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to go down a nostalgia route now. Okie dokie. Which is always one of my favourite topics because I said I get caught in YouTube nostalgia moments and mm-hmm. yeah, the most bizarre things you can imagine. Um, so if you was to pick out a favourite childhood toy, what would be the one that stands out for you? Well, I've still got it and it's sort of in front of me. So it's a robot that was called My Pal 2. Okay, I'm Googling this. Google it, okay. And it's sort of this... I mean, I just loved it. And it was it was bought for me when I was about nine or ten. I don't think I had many mates. So mum got me a robot. And um, and I just loved it. And I still love it now. Although it's not allowed to go in the lounge. It has to go in my office. Uh, because my girlfriend thinks it's weird. Uh, <laughs> which is... And so it's sat next to a sort of one foot tall E.T., as well and a couple of trolls so it's fair enough there is some weird shit in here uh but yeah i'd say that's my favorite i'm looking at it now and it is it's something isn't it it's quite it's bizarre. a bit unusual yeah but i love it don't take the piss i love it mate come on <laughs> it's like friendly. it's like star wars metal mickey and uh fisher price yeah all of those things put together and that's a my power too 
this is a good thing about the fact that we're on uh, this podcast on a cast because I can put a picture up at this as it's scrolling along and I recommend people click on your cast link just to see this because please do I mean what did it do because it looks like it's got quite a lot of function so the, the his nose was a light and then if you press buttons on his arms he sort of spoke but that function is now long dead unfortunately oh. um he's he came with a ball and one of his arms would sort of go and then throw. You sort oh, of like had yeah, to I wind can, it back I can see and then it, it would throw. Yeah. And he walked. He's, he's got wheels on his feet and he walked. Yeah, his shoes look like Sonic the Hedgehog shoes. Yeah, they do. He is. Yeah. I, Weird, I'm not entirely sure great. he's not going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> if, he if might, we're... but, but, but it'll be, they'll be good dreams. Behind my shoulder, we've got the the little yellow teapot. I don't know if you can remember that. Not the one from. Oh yeah, okay. I know. Was it was it like a Fisher Price toy? Yeah, this is exactly yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, on this week we on the Distraction Pieces Network with Scooby's Pit, we did uh, a quiz, and um, all of us had to do a round each. And uh-huh. I I purposely put the little yellow teapot behind my shoulder. <laughs> Everybody was focused on that, not me. I was like, okay, I've just been upstage by Fisher Price. And my, my favourite toy was um, the Fisher Price magic set. It was this brilliant briefcase that did these proper good magic tricks. And I think I rebought it a few years ago, and, and I think it's going for quite a lot of money on eBay now. But really? I'm, I, I'm never getting rid of that. So, what, what's the eBay price of my, was it my pal 2? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I'd find it, I'd, I'd find it very hard to part with it because I loved it. Yeah, never, never do. I think he's a keeper for life. Yeah, I think so. He almost looks like he's related to Mr. Frosty as well. Yeah, he does look a bit like that. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. It was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's got... Because there's a... Is there a My Pal 1 as well? Because there's one that looks slightly different. I don't know. I don't know about his his, his brothers that came before. <laughs> See, I, I need the family tree now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know his lineage. Um, right, okay, let's get back to the questions because I'm now completely fascinated by my power too and I, I can guarantee you I will will be investigating him even more. Um but favourite childhood T V program? Mm, probably Rainbow. Oh wow, really? really? Okay. Yeah. So Uncle and George, yes please. I didn't really, I, th- I would have thought you'd be slightly too young for that. No. No I'm not. I was very much into it. Well I watched a bit of Play Bus but it was all about Rainbow for me really. Which, have you got a favourite character from there? Ah, oh, probably George. Yeah, yeah. Pink think, little guy, he seemed nice. I think for me it had to be Zippy because he was just obnoxious and <laughs> he, he looked like he could probably take on the whole of Sesame Street on his own. I think so, probably. Did you did you watch Sesame Street at all? And I hope you did. Yeah, but that's American, isn't it? So it didn't ever quite seem like uh, like it was for me. I always found it a bit bizarre because it was just, it went on for so long. I think it was about yeah. like 40 minutes or something like that. So by the end of it, I was like, okay. And it's got all these flashing things, like this typewriter that pops up in some sort of weird Dumbo animation, psychedelic stint. And yeah, I, was, I, I liked Sesame Street because it was Jim Henson. But um, mm-hmm. can you remember the Fraggles? Um, Kind. No, I know that they lived on Fraggle Rock. Yeah. But I don't really, yeah, I don't really remember it. Because that was another one of my favourites alongside... I just liked anything puppets, I think. Yeah, I was quite into Noddy. Uh, but 
I'd say probably Rainbow was the main one. I remember having a birthday cake with Rainbow on. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty big news. And if you've got a favourite game, it doesn't even have to be from childhood. It can be a board game, pub game, card um, game. Hmm. Or even a computer game. I like Pictionary. Oh, actually, no. I like Articulate. No, well, what's it called? There's one that's all of those games mixed together. Oh, cranium. Yeah, yeah, Cranium. I loved Cranium. That's a great game. Yeah. You had to mould the dough. and. Yeah, all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, Pictionary. I, I agree with you on Pictionary as well, because yeah. I, I think you can have some... I'm, I can't draw to save my life. What's your art skills like? Uh, pretty mediocre, I've got to so, say. So, presumably, you could do some things that would always look phallic there was always something <laughs> it just always looks shit to be honest <laughs> but I, f- I find that's the better game though with Pictionary because if you've got someone that's too good it almost detracts from it because you're like okay yeah that's a, that's a car <laughs> yeah I know exactly what that is yeah how about um, can you remember the hat game so you just you know, or I think it's the Rizzler game so you just stick someone's name on your head and you've got to guess oh what... yeah that's fun I like that game are you, are you into computer games at all? or? No, I'm not massively. I'm, we've got a PS4 and I'm sort of occasionally playing, but I'm not that good at it. And I think that's the thing. That mm. it, so, so I find it very difficult. I'm the same as you. I've got a PS4, but I, I don't play anything on it. I just stream Netflix through it now. Yeah. I think I've retired. I think it's official. <laughs> um, have you got a period of history that you would like to be in? You know, if you used to do Quantum Leap, can you remember Quantum Leap, the mm-hmm. programme? If you used to do that, what period of history would it be? I mean, I think it's, I mean, you know, for someone that's sort of openly gay, I think we're probably living in the best era that I could be living in. However, I think that, I don't know, I'd quite like to go to sort of the bars in the 1920s, with all the flappers and oh, well, yeah. the Charleston and all that sort of thing. I sort of quite like the... The music of that time so maybe then so prohibition era 20s yeah exactly a nice speakeasy and can you remember the film bugsy malone yeah 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 that sort of thing let's just take a quiet moment just to breathe and remember that this is in support of the calmzone.net so if you can please donate a little bit but if you need their help services, do that as well. So 0800 585858, that's their, their helpline. And if you need a web chat, they've got that as well, which is really useful. On that note, let's have another brief and get back into it with Susie Ruffle. So we're on to appreciation. So the point of this, I, I should be explaining these categories really, but the, the point of this is that, you know, if the fact that we are isolated and we have to rely on our kind of comfort a bit more, what things do you appreciate with regards to smell? So if you used to make a candle and you could put anything in there whatsoever, what would be in that smelly candle? Um, bananas, but not real bananas. You know those like foam sweet bananas that oh, yeah, smell yeah. more like bananas than bananas? Wow. Those. That would be pungent. And just that on its own, no other kind of mixing in, that would just be the pure banana essence. Yeah. About the shrimps? Yeah, they're quite nice, but it's, it's mainly about the bananas for me. Okay. Anything banana flavoured, I love. Like a banana bed, banana bread baking, love. How about Nesquik banana? Yeah, don't mind that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start just chucking bananas at you now. I'm going, what about this banana? I'm trying to think. What I've, um, there's, there's a, oh, there's this weird 
banana um, car scent that you can get. Like, I think it's like jelly beans or something like that. Would That might be a step too far. Yeah, so you don't want your new car smelling of um, bananas. Not massively. <laughs> and, and this kind of does lead me to the next question. So if you, would that be a comfort food or have you got something else that's a comfort food? Um, comfort food. Do you know what? Comfort food for me is fish fingers, waffles and beans. Oh, my word. That is, that's proper that's comfort food. That's proper comfort food, isn't it? How do you cook your waffles, though? Uh, I know that you can do them in the toaster, but I, I do them in the oven. Do you give them the time that they stay in the box? Because I always find that you need to give them about double that. Yeah, you've got to give them a bit longer. Yeah, I always put them in as the oven's heating, because that way they slightly defrost, and then you can like, because I don't know about you, but I just don't like a soggy waffle. How about, we're on, we're on to more sensible subjects now, but a, a song that gets you pumped and a song that relaxes you, so one that just, you know, you might as well be taking a painkiller. Uh, so a song that makes me pumped. Anything on um, Lizzo's album. I love Lizzo's album. I think it's brilliant, and I run a lot to that. So that for feeling pumped and for chilling out. Um, I don't know. Pro- oh, actually, do you know what? when I'm writing, I listen to soundtracks, not. Um, sort of the scores of movies, scores from movies, and I find that really helps. So I like Brooklyn, the the this sort of Irish film. Um, I listen to that quite a lot. I like sort of um, the one from Armageddon's really good. Oh, yes, yeah. So just sort of random film scores I really enjoy. Any um, film score, really. I, I, I like, if there's no words in it, I think it helps me to relax. I I like the Gladiator uh, soundtrack. And have you seen on uh, Netflix the Hans Zimmer special? No, I haven't, but I should. It is brilliant. It's one of those ones, put it on, even turn the screen off. And yeah, there's just so many things that you recognise. Really? Yeah, yeah, I should. I should listen. Well, I should watch that. So if, is there a documentary that might have meant something to you? Oh, do you know what? I loved um, Blackfish, which was about... Yes. Um, sea World. That documentary I thought was brilliant. Um, I think there's. I think it's called, and I'm sorry if I get this wrong, but I think there's. I think it's called the house. The house in which I live. The oh, house, the house. The house I live in. Is it called the house I live in? Is it about the about drugs in America? Yes. Yes. Yeah, about how it's sort of a hugely racist system. I I I, I sort of knew that it was very racist, but I didn't realise. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't realise quite how bad it was and it was something that really I mean basically everyone should watch it to have a better understanding of how sort of laws are in America and how disproportionately the, the, the sentences go sort of depending on what kind of drug it is and that has you know and what kind of drug it is often um, will be you know, a, a certain group might be more likely to have this drug or that drug and how sort of basically white people always seem to have an easier ride. And I found that documentary fascinating and it is definitely a must watch, I think. Well, I can't believe you said that because that's, that's the other realm that I work in is drug policy reform. So yeah, I actually covered that uh, when it first came out. Oh, I, managed, did you? I managed to go to a press screening and, and yeah, it is, it is an amazing film. And, and it's really, yeah, it's really important stuff. You summarised it perfectly. The disparities that go on in 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 
both this country and America is is huge, um, and it's, and it affects everybody. You know, races, LGBT, the, you know, every kind mm. of demographic is covered in this. So yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. It's a really great. It's really well made. Really, really great film. Are you on all the streaming channels? Ah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Can I be really crass and recommend you one of mine? Please do. Uh, so if you're on Amazon Prime, it used to be on Netflix, but it's just moved. Uh, look up The Culture High, and it's about uh, cannabis laws. And again, similar themes of uh, race disparities and, and various different themes like that. What's it called? The Culture Law? Culture High. Culture High, okay. Yeah. Yeah, just to be really... I'm proud. writing it down. <laughs> Sorry to kind of push that up. No, no, that's good. I like a recommendation. Um, have you got a fairly local visitor attraction that you like? So it could be a castle, a museum, anything like that? Um, I live... Well, I live relatively close to Beckenham Place in Beckenham, oh, right. and I really like that. I've not actually not been there. What's oh, it's lovely. Like? It's so really is, lovely. What's it like? Is it a stately home? Or? Uh, this, you know, I think it might have... Once upon a time, it might have been someone's big old stately home. It's not a National Trust or anything. It's just a big old house that's now got a bar in it and a coffee shop in it and a record shop. And they they also seem to have yoga classes upstairs sometimes. I don't really... And sewing classes. I don't really know what it is, but it's just got these wonderful big grounds and beautiful trees and loads of bluebells and... It's just beautiful. Yeah, I'm looking it up as we speak. It does look nice. Yeah, it's lovely. That's presumably it's not open at the moment. and. No, no, no. But you can still walk around it. Oh, that's cool. I was going to ask that because it's got a lot of grounds with it. So it's still open for walking. And mm-hmm. Have you managed to visit it? or? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing some of my, some of my runs, some of my government allowed runs, which has been lovely. And then if you've got a revelation of something you do in your own head that... <laughs> that you don't necessarily want to admit. So it could be something really silly. Like you, for me, it's like, I'm like count von count where I have to count every single thing I do. Uh, and I really wish I didn't. Um, but before I go on stage, that's the only time I really do it. But before I go on stage, I always think to myself, I'm really lucky to be able to do this. And I feel very privileged that I'm going to go and try and make these people laugh tonight. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's like a real... I don't like using the word because it's almost had a, a new connotation, but that's like a real mindfulness exercise, isn't it? Of... Yeah, I think it's mindfulness and also just um, sort of appreciating what's going on in your life and, you know, reminding... I like to remind myself how, how sort of... how lucky I am and how, how much I love doing comedy. And so I always sort of try and remind myself of that because sometimes, you know, you're running to a show and you're late or the traffic's been bad or the train was delayed... And then you didn't have time to have any dinner, but that's okay. You've managed to get there in time. The tech went fine and everything's a bit of a hurry. And then you find out you've got a reviewer in or a critic in and, oh God, you need to make sure you do a good show. And then before I go on, it's just important to sort of go, I'm really lucky to be doing this. This is really great. Do you find yourself doing that every gig or is it just some... Every time um, I, I try to, I try to. But certainly when I'm on tour and I'm doing my own shows... And then this is the final question. But thank you, thank you. Have you got someone that's a bit of a you know a starstruck crush? So someone that you're like, oh my word, if I met you, I'd go to pieces. Or you might have met them and gone to pieces. Um, do you know what I'd say that the the stand up that I recommended earlier, Wanda Sykes, she's so brilliant and she's so funny and politically, she I think she's right on the money. That I think that if I if I met her, I think that I would dissolve a little bit because I think she's so brilliant. And presumably Alan Carr as well. 
Well, yeah, um, he's now sort of become a bit of a mate. So that is sort of, <laughs> but certainly when I first met him, yeah, definitely. So is, is he almost been releva- uh, relegated? So no, not at all. If anything, he's even better than I thought he was going to be. Oh, but you know, once you know someone, it's sort of like, oh yeah, that's just that's just someone I know. And that is our, our list of questions, and that's smack bang on the hour as well. So I can't thank you enough for, My pleasure. for giving all your time on that because you know you, the fact that you're doing what you're doing with raising awareness to calm and just in general all the work that you do. I, I'm genuinely privileged that you that you joined me today to have the conversation that we've had. My pleasure, my pleasure. And is there anything that you want to give a shout out to? So you mentioned um, that you've got a podcast. Yeah, probably just my new podcast. Well, I've actually I've also got a podcast with Tom Allen called Like Minded Friends, which is two sort of best mates having a chat about how their week spin. And uh, so that's a very light hearted. Well, sometimes it's less light hearted, but that's um, a podcast that we do together. And then I do a podcast called Out, which is an interview show. That is, I've only had, uh, only six episodes have gone out. We're still in the first series. So it's still, you know, a baby in the world of podcasts. But people seem to be really enjoying it. And I'm I'm really proud of it. I put a lot of effort and a lot of work into it. And people seem to be really, really enjoying it. So, yeah, if people want to have a listen to that, I'd be delighted. So thank you so much, Susie Ruffle, for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Susie, for that. A lovely conversation. I so enjoyed that. And don't forget, subscribe to this one but also subscribe to Susie's, which is out with Susie Ruffle and like-minded friends with Tom Allen. Yeah, and I think we can leave it there, can't we? And don't forget, if you can Google um, My Pal 2, her favourite childhood toy, you won't regret it because, my word, does that thing look interesting, but also a little bit freaky. So I'm a little bit concerned that that thing is going to haunt my dreams. I'm going to be back with a new guest fairly soon where we're going to get into bed with them and have a lovely conversation with them. We've got some brilliant guests lined up in the bank, so make sure you keep listening. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, if you need any Calm Zone services, please find them on calmzone.net, helpline 0800-585-858. Find their web chat. And if you can donate, that's brilliant. It really helps. So thank you so much for joining us. I've been Jason Reed. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.